Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week we are listening to a very modern adaptation of a classic old science fiction story. From the BBC series Chillers, this is Who Goes There? Adapted from the John W. Campbell novella. Chillers was a short four-episode series that ran from January 24th to February 14th of 2002. In addition to Who Goes There, the program also featured I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream by Harlan Ellison, Delta Sly Honey by Lucius Shepard, and Corona by Samuel R. Delaney. All four scripts were adapted by Mike Walker, a prolific radio dramatist for the BBC. This is not the first time Who Goes There was adapted for radio. It was featured as part of Exploring Tomorrow, a series hosted by Campbell himself. Unfortunately, as far as we know, no recording of this broadcast exists. Campbell wrote the story under the pen name Don A. Stewart, and it was first published in the August 1938 issue of Astounding Science Fiction, a magazine edited by John W. Campbell. If you are familiar with the story, then you are likely already aware that it was adapted for film twice and inspired a third movie, none of which are entitled Who Goes There. If that doesn't sound familiar to you, I won't spoil it with any further details, and we'll talk about these adaptations after we listen to this version, the inaugural episode of Chiller's first broadcast, January 24th, 2002. This is Who Goes There. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Who Goes There? By John W. Campbell. Get your supper soon enough. Come on, let's get you inside. Hey, Branny, pulled well. That's a boy. That's a boy. Connant! Hey, Connie! The boss wants us all in the mess. When? I have to feed the dog. Soonest! Feed him later. He says now. Oh, hear that, boys? He says now. Yeah, all right, all right, gentlemen, settle down. Thank you. You should tell the Huskies, Chief. They've been going on bloody non-stop. Yeah. I don't know why. They're the only ones here who don't have to eat your cooking, Kinna. Hey, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with my cooking. Whoa. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, it is. Sorry, Commander. Just trying to settle the dogs. Yes, you can't blame them. I think we all feel uh, unsettled. Yeah, ever since that that thing arrived. Yeah, that's That's what we have to talk about. And... Let's not get hysterical about this. We found a man from Mars and we're not supposed to get hysterical. <laughs> this is not that simple. Let's remember we're an Antarctic survey. We're scientists. So what now, Chief? Yeah, do we actually get a chance to look at this? What's the story? 
I'll leave that to MacReady. He knows more about this uh, this thing than any of the rest of us, Mac. Thank you, sir. So, come on, Mac. You've been playing this one close to your chest. It's time to lay down the cards. Very well, gentlemen. Would you care to join me in number seven cold store? He said it was ugly. He didn't say the alphabet. Come on, Scouse. I bet you wouldn't look so good to it. Just as long as it never gets a chance to try, Doc. Can I smell something? You shouldn't. It's frozen solid. Me too. Getting colder every day. A week and we'll be snowed in. Yeah, okay, uh, Mac? Right. Well, I think you all know the background. Mm-hmm. Magnetic anomaly appearing within 50 miles of the pole. Speculation. A meteor of some kind. Probably landed a million, million and a quarter years ago. We decided to take a look, keeping it pretty much under wraps. And I don't have to remind any of you, we're all government employees and subject to the Official Secrets Act. Wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that the Antarctic is an open continent, that we're meant to share and share alike. <laughs> yeah, Mike Kenner, just a bit. Of course, the small fact that the army managed to destroy what we found while trying to get it out of the ice might just have something to do with it too. <laughs> so it's not a rumour? There was a ship? There was a ship. Sunk pretty deep in tertiary ice. We were able to access a, a fin of some kind. But you couldn't analyse it? I mean, didn't anyone there figure that? What did you use? Thermite rapid heat. Navy uses it for free and ice-bound ships. Army uses it for destroying them. London wanted them to move fast before anyone else got in on the act. And now they never will, right, Commander? Yes, I'm afraid so. A one-million-year-old spacecraft lost. But we got the driver. Yeah. I don't know how much we want him. It, Kinner. Where did you find it, Mach? 200 metres south of the craft. My best guess is that it got out for some reason. Maybe he was injured, maybe confused. Sure as hell didn't realise just how cold it can get up there. It froze. Solid. That's some ice cream. I mean, can you make it out? What it actually... Oh, God, it just makes me feel like I'm falling into a nest of spiders. Mm, Natural protective reaction. Don't know what it is? Fear it, destroy it. I'd go for that. I'm sure I can see three eyes in there and they're looking out at me. Why don't you go make supper? Maybe it's hungry, Kinner. You could cook up one of your casseroles for it. Though, come to think of it, it looks like one of your casseroles. <laughs> Given that the ship was a million years old, then... You realise this thing is also... No. I just can't conceive of that. We're scientists. We can conceive of anything. It's our job to dream, Doc, and make those dreams concrete. I'll settle for thick ice. Well, that's the question, isn't it? Well... Well, Blair wants to examine it. Thaw it out, take samples... You're out of your tiny mind, Blair. And you're the cook, Kinner, not a scientist. The rest of us are. Look, we have an isolation lab, we have remote tools, anything else we might need. And anyway, it's just dead meat. Even you should be able to work that out. Hold on, Blair, how do we know this isn't... In some kind of suspended animation. Because exactly. it isn't possible. Oh, look, there are microscopic forms out here that freeze over winter and animate in spring. Yes. Like mosses and lichens. Nothing this complex could survive. That, I'm sure. Mm. The virus is just. You're a doctor. You know that non-terrestrial microorganisms can't cross over. Yes. No shared genetic inheritance, no danger. For once, the phrase, not of this earth... Is positive. But it's We're a... not stuck in an old oh. horror movie here. And we are stuck in the modern world where budgets are tight. Yeah, budgets are so tight we're getting strangled. Yeah. Our funding is running out. We're just this tiny little cog in a big research wheel. Six men and a dozen huskies, one snowcap, one ski plane. We monitor a hell of a lot of data, though. Yeah, the trouble is we're not quite big enough to be sexy or small enough to slip by. I haven't said this before, but after next year, nothing. Instruments alone. It's about money, isn't it? The whole bloody lot of it. 
this ship, this thing. I mean, if we get there first, we win the big prize. Think of it. Oh. We'd never be without backers again. Anything we wanted on a plate, but... we'd be made oh. for life. We have to do it. Be one hell of an opportunity. Unique, you could truly say. <laughs> but if we kept it frozen over winter, took it back in the spring... No, they'd take it away from us, yes. that's for sure. Exactly. You're for it, Mac! I'm a meteorologist, Kenner. I don't really have an opinion on the science, but I do like working down here. The Antarctic, it gets in your blood. And I want to come back mm. next year, year after, for the rest of my life. I guess you could say I, I'm always for men over machines. Mm. Connie? I think Mac's right. They take it away from us. So we should work on it while we can. Doc, it's a hell of a question. We shouldn't have to ask it. Yeah, well, there's a lot of questions we shouldn't have to ask. All right. I suppose, yes. You're all nuts. Just don't ask me to deep fry you. Might be an improvement. <laughs> OK, Blair, you've got it. What now? We let it thaw out naturally. No more thermite. <laughs> Still, when you look at it, even through the ice, it's a horror. Well, after you've fed your dogs, Connie, you can have the pleasure of keeping an eye on our visitor. Hmm? Thanks a million. You stupid, stupid! Home, okay, okay, calm it down, everyone. Connie, it's gone. I mean, it, it went. It moved. I, I sure as hell didn't move it. You went to sleep. I don't know. I, yes, I went to sleep. You were supposed to watch it. No, I was supposed to be here, but no way was I watching it. I mean, that ice got really clear, like glass, and I kept thinking it was alive in there. Well, calm down. Just, oh, just tell I went it. to sleep. I mean, there were dreams. Yes, it was like I couldn't get away. Like it was inside me, but sort of different. Sort of, I can't explain. I mean, that I was trying to wake up, and then I did. It wasn't there. Right, the ice down, was calm. melting. Broken and... No, we have to find it. Not me, pal. You find it. I've had all I want of Got it. a man sleeping this Sorry, place. Doc. Blair's pet just went earwall. We lost it. You bet. No. <laughs> no, come on, guys. This is a joke, right? No joke. Don't you see? We have to find it. It, it could be confused. Lost. It could be a lot of things, Blair, but one thing it shouldn't be is alive, yes? OK. I was wrong. Insufficient data. But this is different. This is... Think of... What it must know, how much it could tell us. Look, this makes everything else like nothing. We have to. Oh, my God! They could tear it to pieces! Your creature, Blair. What about my dog? Hang on, arm! No, no! It must be harmed! Whatever happens, we have to preserve it! That's my arm! You want to tell me what it is, then? Gary, you have to stop no, it. Don't shoot. We have to communicate. It could tell us about that, Connie. Just... Will somebody tell me just what the hell that thing is? Dead, I hope. Conan, get those dogs back in. Get out of the way! 
Needy with a blowtorch. Thanks, Mac. Somebody got an extinguisher. I'll get one. <laughs> okay, Blair. You can cut it up now. I don't think it'll be telling us anything. Can somebody help me with the dogs? Dog? Yeah. I'm coming. I'm coming. First, anybody hurt? Commander? Yeah, no, no, it's just a scratch. Mother surprise. Aye. There's one hell of a surprise, all right. Coffee coming up. Anyone for coffee? Mr. Thing, coffee for you. <laughs> <laughs> Guess it really is dead. Coffee. Oh, thanks, yes. I think we could all use some. You sure it's dead now? I put a few million volts through it after Mac had finished. Sure is. So, I mean, what's that about? I mean, look at it. Did it eat one of your dogs or what, Connie? Oh, don't ask me. The damn thing killed three of them and the rest... Aren't going to be pulling any sleds for a while. I'm sorry. So, what is it, Chief? Do we know any more? Blair? Well, I have a feeling that what we saw first... The thing in the ice? Yes. I'm not even sure if that was its original form. Whoa. Come again? Well, look. Look here. This... this dog leg. You must have ripped it off. I don't recall. No, no you're right, Doc. You don't. Will somebody tell me what the hell they're on about? Uh, sorry, Kinner. What I'm saying is that the creature did tear a bit out of one of the dogs. Yeah. dog. And right. ingested it and, don't ask me how, analysed it and started growing a dog leg. <laughs> that is nuts, <laughs> isn't it? Looks like a dog's leg. Even, even feels like one. The fur seems real. D touch it and see. No way. But it isn't. Uh. It is something else. What? I don't know. Some kind of protoplasmic intelligence, a, a sort of super chameleon. Changes shape as well as colour. It absorbs organic tissue and breaks it down, moulds it. Intelligently? I, I don't know. Maybe it takes on the intelligence of its new form. Maybe not. Maybe it would have been a very smart dog if it had found the time to complete the change. How would we have known? What, that it was a dog? Mm. Well, we wouldn't. Until and unless it attacked one of us, or maybe changed again. What was it planning to do? What does it want? Well, survive, I should think. It's an almost perfect survival system. Takes on the shape of anything it wants. Grows, spreads. That's it. That is it, Kinner, for all life anywhere. Survive. The rest, all of art and science, is jam on the bread. Oh but don't you see how elegant it is? It's perfection. All of you... It, it, it goes on. No, no. It fries. Well, this one did. What do you mean, Blair? There was only one. I, I dug it out of the ice. Mac, you saw it with the dogs. They were tearing it apart. Did you fry every shred of flesh? Boil every drop of blood? 
Did we check every dog to make sure it's a real dog? How, how about every one of us? Did you check we're real? What about Conan? A doc, a kinnut? A kinner's real. No one else could make coffee this bad. As it was one of us, what would the point be? Just grow, to survive, to spread. First here, then... Then the rest of the world. You have got to be kidding. Survival of the fittest. If it was me? Oh, it could fly out. Just like you can. Only it won't. Because I destroyed all the flight systems. Nobody and nothing flies out of here. Just like nobody is calling home. I screwed the comms. Look, I'm sorry, fellas. But it had to be done. We opened Pandora's box and something came out. Hey, and that means none of us, not one of us, can ever... <laughs> well, well, don't you see? There's only one way to stop this thing. We're all dead. One way or the other. Oh. Oh. Doc? It's only a sedative. He'll be all right when he wakes up. Right, someone had better check the comms of the ski plane. Conan? I'm on it. I'll take a look at the plane. What do you think, Mac? I think that if I do find anything untouched, I'll smash it. What? Look, Blair might be crazy, but he was right about one thing. Nobody leaves. Nobody communicates. Not until we know this creature's dead. And if we can't kill it? How's Blair? Well, we put him in the engine room. Gave him enough food and water, nailed the door shut and then backed the snowcat against it. He's not getting out. Not that he wants to. Seems to think we're all infected. He's insane, but not stupid. You think some of us are? Conan was alone with the dogs after I sewed them up. Yeah, he's been keeping to himself. Not surprising, given the way the rest of us are looking at him. Not surprising if he's not feeling himself today. And how about you, Doc? You spent time with the dogs, too. Maybe we should apply the foot-and-mouth answer. Everyone dies infected or not. How could we trust the last man to turn the gun on himself? <laughs> we could always let Blair out to do the job. Right, if he's still human. Damn it, hell, Mac. This is crazy. There has to be a test. Some way we can... Look, hold on, Doc. This thing's able to become like a dog, a human being, a perfect imitation... Except it. Hmm? Well, maybe it still has to be itself. Well, otherwise, it would just be a dog, and there's no point to that. Hmm. It has to retain its, its essential characteristics at the same time as using. The mind or emotions that it's created as a survival tool. Yeah. Good, Mac. Very good. Could you guys just stop looking at me like that? No, I don't think so. This is... I'm not a creature. Hey, hey, you were with the dogs, Connie. We have to be sure. I'm sure? I mean, if I was... Kenna, will you shut up that noise? And not just about you. No, McCready, you can't. They're innocent. It's not their fault. You can't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Only one way to be sure. Oh, I'm going to come. Don't burn me. No, that's the only way. No. Don't get close. Oh. Oh. Look uh. at them, Conan. Is that how you want to end up? Is something, something polluted? Alien? 
thank you all for being here. We'd all rather be elsewhere. Particularly the creatures. What do you mean, Doc? It means that right now there's nothing living for 300 miles in any direction apart from us. Weather's closing in. As soon as it clears, they'll send a team to see why we've been off the air. I reckon we've two weeks, maybe three, before someone else gets here and something else welcomes them. They'll have a bloody plane. The damn thing will fly out and then... The world. Maybe they'd make a better job of it. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't funny. I didn't... How the hell do we know who's who? Like this. Connie, get a petri dish. Uh-huh. I figured it just a while ago. It's about blood. It's always about blood. Go on, Mac. Well, life is selfish. It wants to survive, right, Doc? Unless Darwin was wrong. Yeah, and this thing, Blair said every bit of it was aware, self-sufficient. An animal in itself, reflecting the nature of itself. Like when it became a dog, it acted like a dog. And when it became a man, it acted like a man. And when it became that man's blood... This do, Mac. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Now, cut your palm. Bleed into the dish. But we know it fears fire. When I heat this needle and put it in your blood... Look, I know, I know. Right. See? I told you. 24 hours and I'm OK. I'm... Thank God. Right. Doc, you're next. Sure. I know I'm okay. We'll see. Connie, bring me another dish. Right. Take a sample from Kenner. He'll be high on cholesterol, I can tell you that. Hey, you complain, you but you. Him and drew blood. <laughs> Doc was a dead man from the moment the fluids mixed, like any of the rest of us. Hey, hey Mac, I'm okay. It was a scratch, it was only a scratch. It probably wasn't even kidding, it was just. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were two. No. No, three. What? Blair. Oh, he's still out there, locked in the tractor shed. Is he, do you think? I, I don't know, but we sure as hell better find out. We better get out of here. This place is going to burn. That's fine with me. Just as long as it burns every shred of this thing to ashes. What about us? We can talk about us after we've seen Blair. Get suited up. It's cold out there. Hang on to the rope! Don't get separated! No way, Mac! Can you look? Can't see a meter in front. Snow's too heavy. Look for the snow cat! Made to be visible! 
Make a phone dick, Connie! Yeah, get in! Get in! So what now? Is there a lot of time alone in there? If he is one of those things... Yeah, he could... Could have changed into anything. Mm. Maybe back into whatever it was flew that saucer here. What if he has made something? We unmake it. Connie, you sit tight. I'll go in. If there's any suspicion that he... Any suspicion at all, I'll, I'll fire up the torch and you drive the whole damn front wall down with a snow cart. Then throw in these cans and back off fast. What's in them? Aviation fuel. The plane won't be needing it. There's enough here to deep fry a blue whale. Mm. Or to take care of one thing. Okay. Just be very careful, Mac. If I'm going to freeze to death, I'd like to do it in good company. But nobody's freezing. Okay? Nobody human is dying out here. Right, let's go. Keeping yourself busy. Of course. I've been working out its probable rate of growth, Mac. When that gets back to people, start multiplying. You remember that old science joke about how many times you need to fold a piece of paper until it was thick enough to get you to the moon? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Once you start doubling and doubling, doesn't take many. So you're saying? Oh. Is that a year? The whole... The whole... <laughs> You want to know if I'm still a human, don't you, Matt? I guess I do, Blair. And if I am? There's only Conant and me left. The base is gone. Yeah, Ashes. Once my power line went off. It's cold in here, Matt. We have, we have to fire up the snow cart. Try and make the coast. We won't survive outside once the flames die down. We'll freeze. We'll die. That thing didn't die. Not after a million years in the ice. Well, that's why we have to know, Blair. We can't take the chance. Mac, I am human. Yeah, right, that's what Kenner said. I'm Commander Gary. I know I am. Then unbar the door from your side. Look, look, my, my son Trevor, he, he took biology at Imperial, then switched, you remember? He switched to ballet. And now Pooch, Fermi, a long-haired terrier, Mac. Please, I'm me. Yeah, that's the point, Blair. You are you. And if, if you're one of those things, it'd still be you. There must be something. Unbar the door. Let me in. Stand well by. Mac, <coughs> how do I know about you? Open it, Blair. Or I'll have to burn it down. I'll have no choice. I can't trust you. Any of you. There's a test. What? If we heed the blood, it, it responds. My God, Mac. If you've got a bare wire in there. Yeah, yeah, lots. Well, fine. I'll fire up the torch. And then we'll see, okay? Okay. Mac? Mac? Mac, what's happening, Mac? What's going on out there? What are you doing? 
That's it. That's it, Connie. I'm finished now. I heard him screaming. Aye. He didn't change. He didn't try and escape. He was human. He burnt and he died. A human being. Maybe. Maybe not. Mac? Mm -hmm. There's only one person didn't take that test of yours. There wasn't time. There's time now. Sure. About three weeks until the rescue party get here. Only we'll both be dead by then if we don't get the snow cart moving. I removed the <coughs> capacitor. Huh. I thought you might. Well, could be a problem there. That's right. We could freeze, Mac. Aye, Connie. We could freeze. In John W. Campbell's Who Goes There? McCready was played by Liam Brennan. Professor Blair by Ewan Meredith. Dr. Norris by Cyril Mree. And Commander Gary by Christopher Godwin. Kinner was played by Harry Myers and Conant by Colin Adrian. The dramatist was Mike Walker. The director was Rachel Horan. That was Who Goes There? from the BBC series Chillers here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. I have a lot of things to ask. I have so many questions, not the least of which the intro had a nice tease that I don't know the answer to. Oh, wow. Um, And you're going to be probably shocked by a lot of things I'm going to say, but I just want to start here. This is a, a podcast, so you, I'm not going to actually do it, but imagine, everybody, imagine that I've gotten up and I'm hugging Tim really, really hard <laughs> and saying, thank you so much. That was glorious. God, I loved every second of that. Thank you. Now you know my There was vote. a part of me that wondered, like, I wonder if Eric will recognize the reference to the adaptations, no. in which case, you've got some awesome movies in your future. Yeah. Okay. Or TV shows, like, homages to this are in everything, from Doctor Who, okay, me, X-Files, Stranger Things, me, Futurama, this is the Christmas Carol of horror. <laughs> <laughs> for, like, for most people, even if you don't know this story, you know it without knowing it. That an alien comes down and can morph into... Other beings? That's every episode of Star Trek. There's, there's something that like that. I know that I really enjoyed this, but I Ooh. don't connect it to anything. Why are there only four episodes of the chill of Chillers? What what happened? I think it was just meant to be that. I think that oh. this guy was like, I want to write some a little science fiction adaptations, and BBC said, okay, we we'll do whatever. Like the new era of TV shows. Right? Yeah, I think and it's I, that vibe. I, mm, because you can go back and you like say, oh, I really want to watch Columbo. And you realize they did 90 episodes a season. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much Columbo to watch. And now you go like, we did six episodes and called it a life. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, the BBC, it's government radio and TV. So it's right. always going to be shorter and a too smaller bad. budget. It's too bad because this was excellent. I can't wait to listen to the other three. I hope they're as good, especially I want my... Face back or whatever that one's called. And I just like the title. I have no mouth, whatever. 
to cut to the chase uh, of yes. the, uh, the the movie adaptation, the 1950s one was called The Thing from Outer Space. And then the 19, uh, what is a very popular film with uh, John Carpenter, who in the 1980s the did thing? The Thing. Yes. Never saw The Thing. Everybody talks about it. Everybody's seen it. It took me a long time to realize, because I would talk about it too, that, wait a minute, I never actually saw that. Oh, I thought you were going to say, isn't The Thing from the Fantastic yeah. Four? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it was, I would have watched it. Um, another thing you need to know about me is... I like supernatural, and I like adventure, and I like mysteries, like murder mysteries. I don't like straight horror very much, like Friday the 13th or something well, like that. We're just tearing people apart. I'm or, with you, because I don't think they're scary. No, I think they're, I think they're merely they're, repulsive. It's, yes. It's, it's the body gore, which right. I do not like at all. But like Hitchcock, that is a horror that I love, because most of the horror is coming out of my own head. He really hasn't shown me anything, you know? And I always assumed The Thing was more of a blood and guts horror movie. They did not shy away from the, the body horror. I mean, that's one of the... <laughs> The things, the things about that film is they really leaned into this creature and how weird it is and what it behaves, but they also leaned into the what I think is so strong in this radio performance of the in the, in the story of the contained area and the paranoia and the suspicion. It takes place underwater, doesn't it? The thing in the Antarctic. I thought it was an underwater movie. No, no, that's the abyss. Ah, it is the abyss. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, thank you. Is that the same Yeah, too? don't stare into it. <laughs> it will stare back. It's rude. So the thing takes place in the Antarctic as well. Yes. Okay. Well, I've never seen it. Are there other movies that I should... Because, Josh, there's Well, you might enjoy the, the 1950s version, which inspired it. But Is it like The Blob? I love The Blob, I by love The, the Blob so much. It's absolute crap. Best, it's glorious best crap. Best part of The Blob? Kid throwing his cap gun at it. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best part of that old movie. Here's my uh, my bit of trivia from the the 1950s movie. It was the first full body burn stunt where they set a guy on fire. And- yep. And they realized, well, that doesn't work. We have to, <laughs> no. we have to come up with a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Next, <laughs> worst audition ever. <laughs> right. If you don't mind, we're going to film... successful full-body yeah. burn. Have you prepared a monologue? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hired. If you don't mind, we're going to film this. <laughs> uh, so are there other things this should remind me of? This is, to me, a completely original cool thing. That's fantastic. That's, that's great. That was my biggest challenge. In fact, I titled that part of my notes. The big challenge is that this is such an influential story and it is so ubiquitous in pop culture. It was hard for me to gauge how successful this adaptation was at generating suspense or terror. Based on Eric's reaction, I would say it is. <laughs> for me, the initial listen just sort of washed over me because I... Because you know you step happening. by step. Step of- by step. And again, probably... I'm more familiar with it from the homages, like I said earlier, like the, the X-Files episode that is essentially just the story. I think it's in the first or second season. And it's a fantastic episode of the X-Files. Uh, there's a great Tom Baker Doctor Who story that is pretty much exactly this, only with an incredibly embarrassing low budget. <laughs> it's that thing of like, oh, this original source of it seems so derivative. <laughs> yes, <laughs> So all of these stories, though, have the basic idea of the alien is able to take over other living things and hide mm-hmm. within them and can be exposed 
when it's threatened to be killed. Or it plays on the idea of a confined space where people are disconnected from the rest of the world and even if it's not that they can physically transform into another thing, that something is taking them over. And what it plays on many times is that paranoia of not knowing, have you been contaminated? The Walking Dead plays on this all the time. Have you been bitten? Can right. you roll down your sleeve so you can't see the zombie bite? So this paranoia. I see, yeah. But first of all, the noise the alien made, I thought was fantastic. Me too. I really liked the noise of it. It was so upsetting. You know, was... Understand, I don't know what's happening, and I don't know what's about to happen, and I know they're going to bring this thing back to life, and I know that they're going to, they've voted to thaw it out, and you automatically go, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> I know where this is going. This is going to go backwards on you. The worst part of this, though, it was totally unnecessary. You didn't need to shoot the dogs. It's one of the things I like about the story, shoot the dogs. No. Um, <laughs> it's like... Everyone is like, don't. The dogs are totally innocent. Don't do And then the dogs are, all of them, infected. Right. So it was qualified. I didn't catch that the dogs were infected. I just heard them yelping. That's the thing. It's weird. You guys like the sound of the alien. But to me, one of my big criticisms of this is that I didn't think the sound effects were very strong. Oh. I didn't think they really provided a lot of clarity. Right. I mean, basically what this comes down to is I admire the ambition to tell this story without a narrator, but ultimately it seems like it's too actional a story not to. And I had to go back a lot of times. Every time there's flamethrowers or people crying out or yowling or dogs yelping, I could not tell. Is it an alien? Is it a human being burnt? Right. Is it a dog? And I had to keep going back. I realized they cannot use a narrator because of the ambiguity of the end. But I stumbled on that. I did not think that was very strong in this production. The personally. same reason that you're saying that was hard because I couldn't follow the action. I loved it because I felt like I was in the action. In you were other, confused. I was confused. Who's getting what, what's happening? I'm terrified. Like, what's going on? What's that noise? Who's shooting who? There was something about it that created the suspense and the terror and, and not being that specific that I loved. But I totally understand also where you're going, well, wait, what's happening? Because no one complains more than I do about what's going on. I can't follow this. <laughs> no. So it's rare for me to say, I didn't really exactly know what was going on, yet I enjoyed it. Yeah. That's interesting to hear because I also had the question of, does this adaptation lean on the audience knows no. what the sound means? Right. Which you did not. I did and not. And I was confused, but I sorted it out later. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, right. Oh, I get it now. But I was so caught up in, <laughs> everybody run. <laughs> Something's <laughs> happening. Bury yourself in snow. Pretend you're dead. <laughs> I totally anticipated you loving this because it gets to the castle. Yes. I, I, uh, the listener is just dropped right into the heart yes. of the story. Within minutes, you know that alien life has been discovered mm -hmm. in Antarctica, and the survey team is motivated to take these shortcuts that, as you said, you know are uh, it's, it's a bad idea. Always is. Uh, but because they will get credit for whatever discoveries come from it, and even more than credit, they will get financing. So within like five minutes of the episode, and this is what I really liked about it, you know the stakes and the dangers. It's, it's really interesting how fast it goes. Guy's walking his dogs. Hey, you got a report in here. Okay, here's the alien. <laughs> Let's vote. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do with it? And like, boom, boom, boom. And then it's not a slow burn to the alien coming to life. 
It's, it's all right. I'll watch the alien. Alien's gone, <laughs> <laughs> and we're there. And then it yeah. does not stop. Yeah. And I had to look up at one point, and I went, "Oh man, there's got to be twenty minutes left." And I looked, and it was almost done. And I went, "Wow, it's moving so fast that I thought there was still twenty minutes left." You know what I mean? Like it's boom, 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 boom. I enjoyed that so much. <laughs> and I cannot wait to hear, I wish I had a mouth. <laughs> I think all four stories might be very distinct. Mm-hmm. So it might be more Campbell's story that you're enjoying than this adaptation of it. But in many ways, this is a radio adaptation of a film adaptation yeah. of the original novella. Because the ending in particular is a lift to some degree of the thing. As I recall, the ending of the novella is more cut and dried. Like, we stopped the alien. This seems to have the same ambivalent ending, which I liked, of the thing. Where we don't know which one of these guys might be infected. And the fact that there's a standoff means they're both dead. Yes. So I guess well, it's ambiguous because we don't know how they're both going to die. But the fact that it's ambiguous means... Death. I actually took this different than the movie, and sorry we're spoiling the movie for you. Not but, at all. Never watch um, it. <laughs> it was this ongoing sort of mystery among fans of the film of these last two survivors of were either of them infected, were both of them infected, I mean, what it was. Uh, and this one, it seems much more cut and dry that McCready's infected. And he, but, his plan is like, we'll both freeze here and I'll thaw out and be fine. Uh, you just said his name. The, if I have a complaint, it's I really couldn't follow who's named who and who is who. It was just a bunch of guys. And then when he said, then there was two, I actually said, oh, thank you. I was I had no count in my head. I don't know how many people are here. I as went much back as, a couple times to like, who are these people? Right. As much as we make fun of these radio shows that have a French guy, right. an Italian guy, and a right. Southern guy, there's yeah. a reason for it. You right. hear something like this and I'm just struggling to keep up and yep. i mean i guess i think if you are from the uk you yeah. might recognize <laughs> there was the various scottish guy accents. the welsh guy yeah i recognize differences in their accents but they don't jump out at me the way they might in no. old time radio right and right. i i watch a lot of british television and listen to a lot of right. uh, british audio and i still struggled well it would be the the, the same as listening to us talk and then listening to someone two hours north here talk, and we'd go, oh, they're from the north. But I, I don't know if someone from another yeah. uh, country would notice those differences yeah. as much as we can tell you're from Brainerd. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very interesting. Uh, I bet there is some nuances in there that we're not catching. It's all just... Hoy, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> 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 they just lost. They all that sound audience. like Nigel Bruce to me. Oh, I'm always on a clipper craft. Clipper craft. Clipper craft. Whom's I ejaculated? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, we've lost our English audience. So. Uh, sorry to all the stewards out there. Right. <laughs> we can't stop saying his name. Uh, I did like the line. Um, and I assume that was just a, a meta line for this adaptation oh, where he yes. says, oh, we're not stuck in an old horror movie here. And like, <laughs> yes, you are. Run now. <laughs> yep. That was an interesting thing. I don't know what to make of it. It just struck me as an interesting piece of dialogue where they're trying to vote. And the guy says, 
I really like coming to the Antarctic. I like my job and I like coming here and I want to keep this job, this remoteness, this away from everything. And I thought it was going to lead to something like, well, this guy's on the run from the law or this guy's, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. it didn't mean anything other than the vote going around. It takes a certain kind of person to love that job, right? And <laughs> I don't Scotsman. have... Scotsman. <laughs> I don't have any more to say about it other than it made me think, huh, I'd be like there for a month. Be like, that Whoa. was sweet. Can I go home? Yeah. <laughs> but then that same kind of person is a person who's going to be like, yeah, I think we should thaw this alien from another planet, right? right. This is a person who is a high risk taker. Right. I was fascinated by the compelling argument... I mean, uh, Blair, I, I put some effort into learning these guys' names, um, actually made for we should thaw this thing out and check it out, of we share no genetic heritage with this thing. Mm -hmm. Whatever viruses might be on this, right? Th they don't even know what we are to attack us. That's not a bad argument. It turns out it was a really dumb idea, but... Yeah, these are the kind of stories where the better your argument... <laughs> the more doomed you are. <laughs> the other uh, thing that they were trying to figure out was if they are taking over these bodies, then eventually they have to show the characteristics of who they are. So let's just watch each other. Like if the aliens inside of this dog or this person, they can't just be that person. They're who they are, whatever their essence is, will show itself in certain ways, but it didn't. But it was still an interesting philosophical approach yeah. to it. Yeah, their ultimate solution was Heat. a person's blood doesn't care if it gets burned. Right. This thing is, all of it is the thing. So it's blood that right. was attacked. Right. Yeah, so there was Blair, Tootie, <laughs> Joe, Mrs. McGarrett, right? I am so impressed by your ability to rattle off the names from Facts, Facts of, of Life. Life. Yeah. That's all I can do. Uh, those four. It's I know way there's more one than more I could do, or would Judy. be willing to do on a recorded podcast. Joe? You got Joe. I got Joe. You got Joe. There's one more. I can't remember her name. I can picture George her. Clooney. George Clooney. He was in it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I this also... is not where I thought the discussion would go. Frankly. Well, it, this thing plays off the old trope of facts of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tootie's just going to invade your body into <laughs> uh, There's so many little details in this that, by virtue of their stupidity, make it seem real. Mm -hmm. We accidentally melted the ship we were trying to get out of the ice. We destroyed this million-year-old thing. Oops. And that this creature, a million years ago, got out, started walking. Yeah, that it got a certain distance from the ship and then... Died, but didn't die. Yeah. That's a trope I recognize. Things being frozen in the ice and living and coming back to life. Captain America. Captain America. Monster Zero or Ghidorah. Hmm? Yes. Nice. Uh -huh, uh -huh. That was a frozen in the ice one. We are creating quite the mashup here, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and the black oil from X-Files. And who else? <laughs> the dead squirrel in my yard. <laughs> well, uh, so let me ask you guys this. It's kind of going to the vote already. Yeah. But despite the fact that you guys were like, oh, this story. <laughs> Did you like it or not? 
I love this story, and I love it because I know it. This version, I'm asking. Yes. For five years, almost five years, we've been doing this podcast. I don't know if you guys have been keeping track of that. Get out. (laughs) But I've wanted to bring this for that entire time. Wow. I don't know why I haven't, but I'm giddy with excitement for my own chance to listen to it again, and I'm so excited that you enjoyed it as much as you did, um, that even the criticisms, which are totally valid, uh, it can be hard in some times to really enjoy things that you that aren't going to surprise you in the way that they might have if you'd never experienced them before. Uh, for me, this story structure of the compact, slowly shrinking places you can be, the uh, minute details of they let us know, like, we have this plane, we have this snowcat, we have this many dogs, we have this many people. And the story's going to be like, that's gone, that person's gone, that mm-hmm. person's gone. Uh, and it was so well done that I, I I could listen to it again and again and again. So give us your vote. That's essentially <laughs> where we're at. This is the most modern episode we've done, so to call this classic, like, 19 years ago, this revolutionized the women. But today, we can look back on it and realize that <laughs> <laughs> calling it a classic is maybe not as impactful as saying something that is 80 years old as a classic, but right. it's an amazingly good production and amazingly good performances. And I think the the thing you reacted to of the well-executed chaos is its main success. Yeah. I know 20 years, get your collector's plates on your car. <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't seem old enough for this podcast. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to reluctantly not say classic, but I will say, and Stan's test of time also becomes ridiculous. And is it of historical significance becomes ridiculous. <laughs> so for this, I think you just got to say that was an exceptional piece of radio drama uh, for me. And just top to bottom, enjoyable and wonderful. And I believe that 80 years from now, that will be a classic. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be thawed out of the ice. Yes, (laughs) I can't argue with you guys that the cast is just uniformly great. The production values are great. Um, I have my qualms with a lack of clarity in the action. But overall, I can't fault this at all as a production. I My problem was over-familiarity with the story, and then I'm going to put this caveat that is 100% not an objective judgment of this, but a personal preference. And this episode was really enlightening for me as to what my personal preferences are about old-time radio, and that is that there is this very distinctive style from show to show in old-time radio. You can immediately recognize an inner sanctum production versus an escape versus a hermit's cave. And the one thing about BBC radio productions, particularly once we cross the line of the 20th century, is there is this quality of the invisible director, which has been really popular for the last 20 years as well in film, where you don't see the the handprint of the creator on it, and it all sounds the same. And as a super nerd, what do nerds like to do? They love to catalog what is similar and different about things. And so to some degree, as much as I admire the competency of these BBC Productions, it takes away some of the nerdy joy I have in going back to these ancient pieces of radio drama that are so distinct from one another. So that was a a little bit of a roadblock to me for enjoying this. But objectively, it's a really great piece of audio drama that builds on 
the 80 years history that I love so much about radio drama. I would agree with that. There's nothing that makes me think, oh, that's an episode of The Chillers. That could have been Fear on 4 and I wouldn't have known, right? It's all and kind objectively, of... Objectively, that's not a bad thing no. because it's, yeah. it, it's good. Why change a format that works? <laughs> it's just good storytelling as opposed to this is an Arch Obler story. Yeah. And both have merit, right? Yeah, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. But yeah, you can be listening to something. If they took the intro out, we've gotten to the point yeah. where if we just started, we go, oh, this is a suspense or this is an Obler or... Oh, this is changed topic nine times. This is a bishop. We're in a Scott Bishop. <laughs> the alien is singing. It's <laughs> right. a Scott Bishop episode. <laughs> and playing space golf. <laughs> Tim, tell him stuff. Before I launch into the normal stuff, this does make me want to listen to the Strange Encounters series that Campbell hosted. Oh, Exploring Tomorrow. Exploring Tomorrow. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. It's not very good. I've listened to him. All oh, right. I'm sorry. I just knocked that. <laughs> we should have. <laughs> Please so go sorry. listen. Visit coolishdelights.com. Why did I do that? Yeah. I, wait, I, I could have had a whole like 25 minute discussion where I made Tim feel bad. And I, I just <laughs> wasted it. Tim, you just cried like I did at nine years old when they canceled Planet of the Apes, the television show. <laughs> they canceled Planet of the <laughs> I scream cried. <laughs> John Campbell sounds like a a forty some year old non actor narrating it, or he's like, oh. and this is a very uh, cutting edge piece of science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not as exciting as you'd think, but this is a challenge to you then to find the best exploring tomorrow. Great, I can invest a lot of time into listening to dull episode to dull episode. Like uh, exploring tomorrow sounds like a '70s soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) And now exploring tomorrow. (laughs) Please go visit ghoulishlights.com, home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. Maybe an episode of Exploring Tomorrow. Um, you'll be <laughs> comment on episodes, vote in polls, let us know what you think, send us messages if you have requests of things you'd like us to listen to. Uh, you can also link to our social media pages, YouTube included. Please like, follow, um, review things, interact with us in, uh, online in a positive way. Uh, you can also link to our thread the store, buy swag, or go to our Patreon page. Yes, go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. As I mentioned last week, I'm going to zero in on some specific awesome rewards. And again, everyone who becomes a Patreon member receives, are you ready for this, guys? A Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society membership card. Wow. With a little blank slot in which you yourself, with your own hands, can write in your name. I mean, if you screw it up, we're not sending you another card, so be really careful. <laughs> Write whatever you want, really. Um, and we, Those you things also cost a, a nickel apiece. Yeah. Come on. Uh, you also get a button and a thank you letter, but, you know, that's not that exciting. But it's a membership card, so go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. Damn it. <laughs> And we do live theatrical productions of radio drama. We do adaptations of old radio classics and sometimes not so classics. And we also do a lot of our own original work. We have been performing monthly for a very long time. You can find out where we're performing every month by going to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com. There you can see what we're performing that month, where we're performing, and how to buy tickets. If you're in the Twin Cities area, come see us. 
perform live, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh, I can't make it. I don't live in the Twin Cities, or I'm busy that night. Nerd. <laughs> we got ya. Because of quarantine, we now know how technology works, so we now are live streaming everything really well. Good cameras, everything. It's nice. It's fun to watch. It's not wonky. So... <laughs> Buy a ticket and watch us live, or you can even buy a ticket and watch it later. You don't have to be available that night. Or so. just buy a ticket and never watch it. Yes. As long as you buy a ticket, we don't care. You don't have any excuses. Come see us uh, live, perform radio dramas. Uh, again, Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society.com or ghoulishdelights.com. What are we doing next? Next, we have another listener request, and we are going to be revisiting a series that we have not listened to in a long time. We are going to listen to The House with a Past from Hermit's Cave. Until then, Look out! Oh, uh, Tootie versus the Red Skull would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs>